And we're live for another episode of Athletic Insights. This is going to be a little bit different than what you're used to. Um, it's a very important podcast to myself. And we're joined here tonight by Nathan Walker, one of my former teammates from um, Bishops and also a very, very proud member of the Black community. Nathan, how are you doing today? Good, good. Thank you for having me. Well, no, we really, we really appreciate it. Um, with all that's going on in the world lately, um, I wanted to take this opportunity and, and we wanted to take this opportunity to just have a conversation so that uh, we, can, we can learn and, and we can grow together. So for everyone listening at home, when I started this podcast, I wanted to make a difference um, originally in the athletic community. But now, but now as, I, as I, I age and mature, I realize that um, it's so much more than that when you're in the position that I am. As a, as a white man in, in 2020, I have so much privilege that um, we, don't, we don't talk about enough. And um, I think it's a good time now, given what's going on in the current climate of the world, that we start having these, these difficult conversations. And they're not easy to have. But um, thankfully, uh, Nathan has joined us here. And um, first of all, Nathan, why don't you just take a minute to uh, just introduce yourself to the audience? Yeah, so uh, like Zach said, uh, my name is Nathan Walker. I'm originally from Brampton, Ontario, a city just west of Toronto. Um, started uh, playing football from a young age. Um, obviously, as Zach also mentioned, that's uh, how we sort of met each other playing at Bishop's University. Um, and for the most part, um, just really came on to uh, explain my story, sort of give maybe the audience a different viewpoint on what they may or may not already have seen throughout social media and the news and sort of just helping, you know, society as a whole move forward. And hopefully we all can move forward together. hundred percent. And I think what we're trying to do here is move forward together so that we're not having these same conversations in 20 years. We want to have a different, a different narrative. Um, just, just exactly. with respect to, yeah, just the human race. You know what I mean? We're all human beings here. So, um, Nathan, we're just going to get right into it. I want to ask you, you know, what is growing up in Canada? What, what, how have you perceived it through your lens with respect to racism? What have you experienced and what have you been around? Yeah. Um, so obviously growing up in Canada, um, as most Canadians, I believe can attest to, um, racism isn't, wasn't never really, a forefront in terms of our viewpoint in what Canada was um, for at least myself. I grew up in a lot of racism uh, type narratives that I had sort of derived straight to the United States, obviously with all the um, historical issues that they've had um, in that time point. And really the only time I ever thought about Canada and racism was really with Harriet Tubman sort of bringing people north of the U.S. border uh, to freedom. And that's sort of where it originally started. Um, as I grew older, um, growing up in a two-parent household with both of my parents being Black, they obviously started to um, teach me, my siblings, um, certain things about uh, Black history and stuff that necessarily wasn't taught in school all the time. Um, so unlike some other uh, kids who grew up around my area, you know, um, sort of had more of a identification with um, a deeper identification of the black community. Now, growing up in a suburb 
a suburb city um like Brampton it's very diverse um lots of you know south asians asians whites blacks uh latinos um so really had an environment where for me um it wasn't a shock to see any type of race wherever i went um the only shocks that really ever came to me is when i'd go to different areas and now you see more of that type of group and less of the other so for me it was always just used to being part of a big mixing pot um so going forward uh growing up going through elementary school middle school everything seemed pretty normal um but it wasn't until i originally started getting into about high school maybe about grade nine grade ten um where you really start to realize the effects of some people's thoughts on race um whether they're just experiencing um explaining their experiences um or people's people demonstrating the lack of knowledge for different uh race so for me um just really having um having been part of an ethnic minority group it was sort of easy for me to identify with not only people within my minority group, but also other minority groups. Um, and it was sort of easy for me to relate to their experiences because may, I may have gone through something similar, or even if I didn't go through that same experience that that other member went through, it was easy for me to empathize because, you know, they may have an experience that they've gone through and they feel this way, but I maybe had the same feeling just through a different lens. Um but really, um, coming into my university years um, and coming to a school like Bishop's uh, in Sherbrooke, where it's primarily um, primarily white in terms of the population, that was my biggest sort of culture shock in terms of race and its effect. Because in that instance, you realize that there are a lot of other people who may have grew up in different demographics as you and some people don't get to be surrounded in the same environment as you so for me originally like I said being part of a community that is very multicultural and diverse I sort of came to bishops only knowing that and only sort of expecting other people to relate to that but as life goes not everybody goes through the same experiences so not everybody has the same lens or viewpoint so experiencing, you know, little things in terms of, you know, people saying certain things or um, having certain beliefs in terms of race and how prevalent it is in Canada um, was obviously something very different for me. And that's when I realized that there's a lot of instances where sometimes being part of the minority group you hold the responsibility whether you want to or not to speak up and to maybe educate people that may not know um certain things about different demographics or different ethnic groups um not necessarily to shame them but just to sort of give them a different viewpoint and let them go off and sort of make their decisions on how they choose to respond to the things that you educate them on so that was really, in a nutshell, my experience with race. Um, but again, especially with a lot of the things that are um, that are 
going that's going on lately, we see that there are a lot of people who um, are very outward about their about their viewpoints on race, whether it be positive or negative. Um, and for those that are negative, I feel that it's very important that whether it's coming from an individual like me who is part of an ethnic minority or somebody who doesn't who doesn't come from an ethnic minority, as long as you sort of are educated on the matter, I feel like if everybody plays a part in educating those individuals and sort of giving them the opportunity to learn, um, that we could all sort of help each other sort of grow forward. For sure. And it it all comes back to us trying to move forward together and in unison. And and Nate, one of the things that we were talking about earlier was um, there's this, a belief, I should say, not a stigma, but a belief that that racism in America is far worse. And to an extent, it probably is. But um, what we were discussing is the difference between Canada and America is that we have almost a silent type of racism and America has a more um, they're more in your face about it. So with respect to those two, I guess, I guess, viewpoints is uh as uh, inappropriate as they are, because at this point in 2020, we don't have, there's no more, I want to be very clear here. There's no more room, and it's probably hundreds of years overdue for intolerance and racism. Because, I mean, when when we come together, we're so much more capable of change. I was at the, the protests in Ottawa last Friday, and I mean, I can't take, we can't take necessarily credit for it in Ottawa, but as a, as a country and as a, a North American continent, we've created more change through peaceful protesting in five days than the last 200 years of voting has. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. And I find that, you know, as good as that is, and I 100% encourage that, I also encourage the fact that we focus on making sure that our country is as secure and as safe as a place as we want others to experience in other countries. So as much as we would like to see, you know, the police in the United States um, show respect to those that they're dealing with and, you know, show care for the health and well-being of others, let's just, I'd always say to other people, let's just make sure that our house is clean as well. So for me, I personally, as a black male, sympathize um, and empath- sorry, empathize with the the indigenous community. Right. I feel like as Canada in, in Canada, that's a place that we lack in terms of um, of exploiting and putting onto the news. I feel like that's part of that whole quiet racism, and that's part of the things that are sort of slipped under the table or overlooked because we're next to a country like the United States where racism is. Racism is so, like you said, in your face and so prevalent. So for me, it's it's not only an issue of of you know, it, for me, it's never it's not an issue of white versus black. That that's something that a lot of people may um may der- they may go straight to that mindset. But that's one thing I really want to make clear: it's never really been an issue against white against black because, as I know, being part of um a community where I can see people's different viewpoints. I know not all white people um, agree with police brutality. That's, that is shown, you know, but the issue is ignorance of race versus 
activists of race. So it's not a matter of what color you are. It's really about your mindset and how you choose to express that throughout your daily actions and how that can affect people that you interact with on a daily basis. And one thing, Nate, um, and one thing I want to ask you about, because it's, as you say, when I was growing up, I was growing up in, uh, so Brockville, which is a 99.99% white community. Um, So honestly, race wasn't something I was uh, super aware of. Like, obviously, I knew that there was different uh, pigmentation, skin colors and race and culture, but um, it wasn't anything we ever really had to worry about and I think part of that is the fact that I was born white um so there's so much there's so many questions that um that we have the like the the people in the white community who are trying to support um the black lives matter and the indigenous um the indigenous communities as you also mentioned there's so much catching up we have to do because for too long the conversations being awkward or difficult we decided to put it off so with with respect to creating like equal opportunity with education nate um we spoke earlier about needing to stop binning uh specifically young black men into sports or or just arts do you have any um do you have any comments on that and maybe some um just a perspective uh you can share your perspective on it for us yeah yeah so um as as you um sort of alluded to before you know the white community having um questions and stuff like that at first so let me address that first my first thought is the number one thing the number one advice that i would give to um somebody of the white community that would love to sort of um sort of help to propel um things like black lives matter and sort of advocate for things like that is one please listen you know like it's one thing to say you want to be a part of it but once somebody is sharing their experience there's always something that you can catch whether you've heard similar stories or not there's always something that you can sort of um hook on to that can help propel your knowledge even further and the second thing would be to ask questions as you know as it is in in this social media age a lot of things are either too right there in front of you that you don't know there are answers to your questions right there or they're one click away so i would encourage people to go out and to educate themselves and to sort of dig further into you know certain things that have happened to these certain communities which you know translates to why these people are so upset at you know certain things that are going on like things like police brutality even though a lot of people really don't know about it unless Colin Kaepernick says anything that's something that's been going on for hundreds of years before Colin Kaepernick was even born so for us as the human race I feel like it's important that we share we listen and that we continue to educate ourselves and to continue to ask questions to further educate ourselves so that we can, you know, get a deeper understanding because there's no point in fighting for a cause when you don't know anything about it. Um, on top of, on top of sort of going towards, um, the social stigmatizations that we have, I understand that it's not necessarily easy to, um, 
to sort of derive from those things once they've been taught for you for so long. But that is something that us, again, as a human race needs to improve on and to sort of try our hardest not to place people into certain boxes, you know, and in that way, we sort of have to, you know, take a deeper look inside ourselves and sort of say, you know, if that was happening to me or if my my brother, my sister, my mother, my father was being told this is this is all you can be and there there's a cap on their potential that would make you feel you know in a, a some type of way and because you don't want that for your family then i feel like it should be right for you to speak up and to not have that go on for someone else's family so sort of taking that step back and empathizing and sort of you know realizing that these situations aren't new and for that reason, we should sort of try to nip them in the bud now because we wouldn't want that for ourselves. So we don't want that for anybody else or anybody else going forward in the future generations. Absolutely. And we're, we're basically all as human beings, we're just trying to make sure that the next generation is more set up for success than the previous generation. Um, and yeah. I mean, these conversations, I don't I said it to somebody else the other day, the conversations are step one out of a thousand. The fact that we're having these conversations is great. It's a step in the right direction, but it's not, it's not the end all. It's not the end of this discussion. So as a, as a black man, what are you hoping and what do you want to see happen and change? We, because it needs to be, we need to continue the movement. It can't just be, yeah. um, it can't just be a couple um, peaceful protests because everyone was bored during COVID. It has to be, we have to push and we have to actually try to come up with um, systematic changes because the issue is it's mm-hmm. in the system. That's the biggest problem is, um, for example, um, as you know, Nate, I went through some government pro, uh, funded programs to get into entrepreneurship. And I mm-hmm. was given my first grant when I was 24 years old with no interviews, nothing. Um, it was just in my bank account and they trusted me. And I, I met, um, I met a, I was listening to a, a black man at the, um, the protests last Friday, and he was talking about the exact same program. Well, he had to have several interviews. In the last interview, he had to go into a room with 10 people to get the same $1,500 grant I had. So you can't, you exactly, can't tell me yeah. it's not in the system. So again, sorry, I'll reiterate the question for you. What, what do you hope and what do you want to see happen with, with respect to change? I hope that, um, I hope that this isn't just, um the latest fad i hope that you know for people who participated in blackout tuesday you know you didn't just post a black square for for clout for notoriety of your peers but you actually did it for a purpose and i feel like even you know despite the reason of why or why not you didn't post i hope that if you did post that you sort of hold yourself accountable you know when i don't expect everybody to have something to say um on this matter because some people don't feel comfortable. That's not their way of expression. Um, For some people, they don't understand enough and they don't want to go out and say anything just for the sake of saying anything. And I appreciate that, but I do hope that in, in light of being uh, in, in the light of all this being shined on, onto us and sort of being put into our face that we continue to armor ourselves with knowledge with um in with knowledge of 
of you know our history and how certain systems are made up and how they've been carried out for these things to be a part of our society for so long um there was a there's a rap artist by the name of Lecrae. I was on Twitter not too long ago and he he uh he said and I like this a lot he said it's a marathon it's not a sprint um so for our society I feel like it is important for us to equip ourselves um with the right information on uh, like I said of not only just the history of why this has been going on for so long but the information of why certain things are put in place for certain reasons and to to sort of aid these things to continue so that we can fight against these things and make sure that it doesn't continue to affect people in the negative way that it has um and again like you were saying this is is, there are a lot of systems in place that you know have these things and all i really think about is you know they teach you in psychology class um sort of the mindset of certain species and how it can affect um how can affect future species going forward so they talk to you about if for example um a dog is going through a prolonged amount of of abuse and then its child goes through a prolonged amount of abuse the next the next generation may not go through actual physical abuse there might not be anything really done to it but it feels it feels tense. It feels it feels a sense of anger or hostility, and I feel like that's been something that has been going on. That that I feel like that runs parallel to that of the black community, you know. Mm-hmm. Or um, yeah, that's epi- like that's, you, that's there's, there's been so much oppression mm-hmm. that's gone through so many different generations that a generation like mine may not go through. You know, getting water hosed, getting lynched, getting um getting beaten but there's a sense of hostility and the only way we can sort of relieve that hostility is to continue to nip um nip the the systematic um the systematic uh how can i say i would say sort of the systematic um guidelines of you know someone can get a grant and somebody couldn't because of this like little things like that or even if it's just little phrases that anybody says out on the street, continuing to correct people on what is um, what is actually right and what's wrong to say, you know, and why, so that we can continue to advance ourselves so that we can move forward. Absolutely. And I just want to backtrack because you made a really good point there that um, there's something called epigenetics and, and it kind of paints a really good picture about what you were talking about, about how past injustices and and past traumas um, will affect the next generation. And, and what I think, um, I mean, speaking personally, uh, where I grow up, the people, the baby boomers in their seventies and eighties, I mean, they are openly racist. And I think um, before we might've been in this kind of, like I said, all white retirement aged community, we've kind of just honestly been waiting to phase that group out. Um, because then I have the next generation, which would be my uncle and my father's age. Um, and you notice slightly less racism. And now we have our generation where, um, we're coming out of school, we're educated, we're passionate. And I think we're the generation that's going to slowly start writing this ship in the right direction. 
So, mm-hmm. Nate, I want to ask you, um, and it's not an easy question, but for the people listening to this podcast and myself included, how can we use our white privilege to benefit everyone? No, and that's that's a, a great worded question. You know, um, I feel like the way that you use this privilege that you've been blessed with in order to um, to fight against these injustices is to not be afraid to use your voice. Don't be afraid to use your voice and your platform to fight against things that you know are wrong. So in instances where, um, for example, going back to that uh, the grant, you know, that you said, it's little things like speaking up and saying, this is wrong. This person should not have to go through um, A, B, C, and D, and I just be able to go through, you know, and sort of holding other people who, you know, are doing things that are unjust, accountable, telling them that this is wrong and that, you you know, and sort of educating on that front. Because again, being a black male, sometimes, even though you and I can be arguing the exact same thing, it's going to look worse on me. That's part of the whole systematic mindset. It's going to look worse on me because they it's been painted for years and years that, you know, this person, like a black man being angry on the street is, is criminal, is villainous. You know what I mean? So you knowing that that's not going to happen to you, you knowing that you have the platform where, you know, you can get certain people's attention if you use that and you are um educated enough to on the on the facts to sort of propel those things forward and sort of assist the black community in terms of you know pushing um the things forward i wouldn't necessarily like again seeing a lot of things on on uh online and on the news you know seeing a lot of these riots and stuff that's not the things that i'm impressed by even though that does capture the media attention but it's the ones that are sort of standing in the protest and speaking out and saying no um we need your help you know saying to saying to an oppressor you know we need more people like you you know, to sort of move forward with us. We need your help. We know that this is wrong. We know that um, that there's a change that needs to be made. We know that um, treating this person or calling this person that name isn't right. So sort of holding them accountable and, you know, um, because like, like we were saying, sort of the demographics, me being part of a, a demographic that isn't majority, isn't necessarily majority white and is more mixed, but you being one, a part of one that is you sort of being a spokesperson for the community for for on the behalf of the black community and sort of saying no we need to make a change because in those communities you don't have a person who looks like me walking the streets to tell you that all the time right, right. so sort of being sort of being that leader that voice um on behalf i would say would be um would be one of the best ways to sort of continuing to making sure that this isn't a trend going forward. Absolutely. And why we're, and while we're on this topic, I personally, I want to call out the education system um, because in my experience, I've been a very uh, high level tutor in a lot of different university classes and, and through high school as well. And uh, I've seen firsthand uh, essentially white teachers not giving equal attention or maybe the same um, the same level of guidance. Um, mm-hmm. For example, I've, uh, I'm not going to do any names, but uh, my time at Bishop's, I noticed 
uh, I got a lot of help whenever I asked for it from specific teachers. Yeah. And I also noticed uh, a lot of teammates that happened to be um, of the black community, maybe not get the same. Uh, I just, the teacher might not have responded or given the same type of, I'm trying to choose my words carefully here. I, there was just a difference. I don't know how to mm-hmm. say it better than that. I could tell that he, they were, they spoke to me as if I was essentially one of them and they spoke mm-hmm to other people differently. So yeah. with respect to the education system, Nate, coming up from elementary school to high school to university, is there anything you've noticed that we can discuss to make a oh, positive 100%. change for? A hundred percent. I feel, you know, in terms of sort of, and again, this was something that I was, I, I just recently finished talking to a friend a few days ago, um, a few friends actually about this. And my biggest, my biggest, uh, issue with the education system in in uh in their involvement or lack of um in this is um the level of which they choose to per, they choose to show um their students about this like for me you know as as many people know february being black history month um I sort of reflect back on the former Black History Months that I would sort of go through in elementary school, and I would compare the history that I learned within that time span or within um, that uh, category to that of, let's say, the regular history that you'd learn in school. So my thought is, when you learn about um, colonizers and sort of how they came to North America and how they built this, you sort you go through the whole timeline. You go from the origins of, you know, the European countries and their travel and their settlement and their development and how they expanded through the country, right? So you sort of go through this this um this long this this long time period. You sort of go through a timeline where I feel like at times with when it comes to certain things like black history, we're we're robbing not only our white students, but all of our students black as well. I feel like there's a lack of knowledge in terms of the time periods of the time periods and the events that happened within um, the black community. Like, do you want to do you want to touch on a few of them? Yeah. Yeah. Like, for, for instance, how many times during black history for anybody listening, have you only heard? or mainly heard the names, you know, Martin Luther King, Rosa Parks, Harriet Tubman. And then it sort of ends, it it starts and ends there year after year after year. But that's not helping any of our, that's not helping to educate any of our students on the history. That's sort of just spitting one thing over and over and over again. But what a lot of these students don't know is that black history goes, black history and the, the history of black oppression and all that stuff goes a lot further than just the civil rights segregation age. You know, like it goes a lot further. It goes back to, you know, Africa and um, millions of people being brought out of countries like Nigeria and Ethiopia and, you know, 15 million slaves sort of dying on the on the way, um, you know, to the United States. And the fact that there are even like, and that stuff is still affects today. There are certain species of fish that sort of migrate to certain areas of water where they say 
is where those slaves sort of died. So it's like it's affected our world in, in minor things that we may just see at face value as minor. But that's something that happened hundreds of years ago and still affects our ecological system, you know, but nobody knows that. And I feel like there's a lack of want to by the education system to propel um, the knowledge or expand the knowledge of our students on these things. But there isn't a lack of knowledge um, being expanded in other areas of history. So for that, that's my biggest issue with the education system. And that's why I continue to urge um, any listeners or anybody um, who's interested in these topics or wants to learn more and fight more for these causes to, you know, go out of your way to not only talk to people, but in the social media age, you have things like you have the Googles, you have all these other resources that are right there at your fingertips, but because it's not being told to anybody to sort of go out of their way to do um, due diligence and sort of read back and understand that there's no real reason for them to feel obligated to do so. Right. Um, Nate, the last thing I have for you here is I just want to know um, your, oh, sorry. So I want to ask you, the last, like, how do you want to sign off here? What do you want your take home message to be? So remember you're speaking to predominantly young white people. Um, a lot of people from Brockville, Ottawa area, just a take home message to, to keep us going in the right direction and to have more of these conversations. They're not easy to have, but um, again, they're so imperative for moving forward in the next steps. No. Yeah. Um, I think my one take home message would be, I understand, um, and a lot of people of uh, the Black community do understand that this isn't an easy conversation to have um, for, you know, those involved and those not involved. But I guess I would just ask you to think of the next time you sort of think, maybe I shouldn't say anything, maybe I shouldn't get involved because it's not easy for me to digest. Just sort of imagine what it's how easy is it for a mother to sort of say to her son, you know, act like this around certain people because danger could be coming your way, you know, make right. sure that you present yourself in this way so that you can, you know, be seen as somewhat closer to equal than somebody else who has less uh, melanin in their skin than you do. Mm -hmm. Those are not easy conversations. And those are conversations that, are in black households every day. You know, growing up, I was always, I, I was always told by my parents, you know, make sure you don't do that. Try to do this, you know. And it's like there's, there's another guideline to, you know, being just black. You know, unfortunately, yeah. and that's the reality that we live in, and that's sort of the stuff that isn't any easier um, to talk about parent to to child. Never mind, you know, between peers. So. I would urge you just to sort of keep that in the back of your mind. Um, I would encourage you again to um, educate yourselves um, and to correct anybody that you see that may be doing something or saying something that you think is unjust. Um, I've, I'm a big believer in if you think it's not good right away, it's, you know, trust your intuition. Mm -hmm. um, so I would say continue to, to, um, to move forward and just, Remember that if for you, you think this is something that's going to just come and go, 
Um, this has been some. I'm reminding you that this is something that's been around for years, and it's gonna take a while to to sort of get rid of. So I just encourage you to remember that this is is a a long lasting battle, and to continue just to stand with those that may be in your community and those that you don't necessarily see every day because this is the world that we live in and we only get one. So yeah. And what I want to add to that, Nate, is to all the white people who who maybe who might be thinking this isn't their problem or they just haven't quite had the nerve to say anything uh, like you like you've said, if you see something and just happening, speak up. But what I want to say is imagine if the shoe was on the other foot for five seconds. Yeah, I've seen a whole country full of white people go berserk over not being able to get their hair cut. What mm-hmm. about my rights? What about my rights? Well, what I have to say to the rest of the white people is what about everyone's rights? And yeah. I think that's I think that's just how I want to leave that today. But Nate, I really want to I want to thank you for helping help me open this dialogue to our uh, our smaller community here that uh, we have some catching up to do. And I just want to thank you for your time. Oh, thank you for having me. And I, I'm glad to come back anytime. Oh, you'll be back. So, uh, everyone, this was season two, episode 12 of Athletic Insights. Nathan Walker, thank you for your time. Thank you very much. And we're out.